everyone. Welcome back to the Lovecraft Show, where we talk about love, crafts and everything in between with makers from all around the world. To subscribe, just search for the Lovecraft Show in whichever app you use, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify. If you like what you hear, we'd love to hear from you. Please rate us and leave a review. So apparently Lance is quite a rare name these days, but in medieval times, people were called Lance a lot. <laughs> hey everybody, it's the Lovecraft Show. My name's Mr. Xditch. And I'm Marion. And well... It's a special edition Marion and Jamie talk around the houses episode, isn't it? It's a cosy fireside chat, Jamie. Yes. I'm even, I can feel the warmth of the fire by the side of me now. Crackling your buns. Slightly singeing the ends of my overly fluffy slippers. <laughs> I thought you were going to say singeing the ends of your beard. Well, no, but possibly the hairs on my toes if I was unleashing them, which I never do. <laughs> Would you not wear sandals? I have a weird relationship with sandals, if I'm honest. Like, I'm getting to, like, the more the older I get. But for a very long time, I was very sandal-averse. And even now, if I see someone across the street wearing socks and sandals, it makes me quite twitchy. Talking of socks. Hey! Hey! (laughs) Um, I know we're going to mention this quite a few times because I'm excited about it, but... The 20th episode, because I can't believe we're at episode 19. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, but amazing. for our grand finale, next, mm, next podcast, at the end of season one, we have got living yarn legend Marley Bird, mm. who I'm, I'm a really massive fan of Marley Bird. Anyway, she did a thing the other day, and I, I just wanted to throw this out there to the knitters among us, mm. the listeners, just to see if anybody's done this. But she did this fantastic knit along for socks, and she did toe-up socks. So when you do a toe-up sock, you don't have to do any grafting because you're starting the knitting right from the toe. And there was this, this special cast-on method called Judy's Magic Cast-On. <laughs> Bloody hell. Now, I'd never done that before until Marley showed me how. There's the link. Right. I know you were waiting uh, a well long done. time for that, but there it was. Marley showed me how to do Judy's Magic Cast-On. And now I'm just, I'm beside myself. So my Christmas socks, I'm going to do them toe-up. Just dropping that in. So all the knitters along that, you know, that are listening in will be clapping their hands in glee because they might well know that Judy's Magic Cast-On is very exciting. Hmm. I'm certainly, the next time I go down my local working men's club, I'm going to show them all the hard grafting I've been doing and we'll see who's the most manly man in the building at that point. Listen, you could do kitchen stitch, I could show you. You could graft with the best of them. That sounds good though, I quite like that. That's up there with, uh, what was it, last episode with Vincent when we were talking about samurais making socks? Yes! Now... Another little gem. Sorry, it's obviously going to be a, a, a podcast packed with gems. Right. Just Let's just interject. For everybody who plays the Lovecraft drinking game, there's a risk that you're going to be pretty hammered in the first 10 minutes of this as we make reference to socks. And later on, we'll give you a chance to recover and then we'll talk about ponchos relentlessly for 15 minutes. Yeah, and ponchos. So those are our two sort of key... Drink responsibly. Please don't drink while you're driving and listening to this podcast. If you hear me mention socks... Um, <laughs> Cheers to the Queen. You'd be the sort of person who would have liked those socks that had all ten toes individually. Well <laughs> wouldn't you? You'd like those no, socks. No. Yes, with you a would. hard no. Rainbow socks with the toes in. Oh man. And I, I bet if I was to ring up your mum, Andrea, my friend on Facebook, Hi, I bet you she would confirm to me 
that you used to have socks with toes. No, Andrea, I didn't. Tell us no. if anybody had socks with toes, or they know that Jamie did. Please email us at show at lovecrafts.com and tell us all about it. I can't help when my my nostrils flare when there are things that particularly tweak my sensitivities. Those socks, people say they're comfortable. I say just get out of my house. I haven't. I can't wear though. I can't. I'm sorry. I had some when I was a teenager. I bet they are comfortable. Oh, my, when I was a sort of tween, I think I had some stripy toe socks. Yeah, I loved them. So there is that really exciting moment, you know, when you're doing a craft and then you learn something completely new, like with Marley and Judy's Magic Cast On. And it reminded me of episode six of the Love Craft Show when we spoke to Tony Lipsy from TL Yarncrofts. Ah, yes. Now she was, well, she is, an absolute Tunisian crochet genius, apart from which she's also a delight to talk to. Mm. But after that, after that show, I was completely obsessed with Tunisian crochet for weeks. Mm. Were you? Yeah. What was weird was like, I don't really listen to the show after we've recorded it because I can't stand the sound of my own voice. But I did subsequently go back and listen to that one. And I messaged you, didn't I? I was mm. like, I'm listening to this and I might need to get some Tunisian crochet. I mean, because of having the last episode I listened to was the Vincent one, so now I want someone to send me an amigurumi of a cacti. But, um, yeah, no, definitely. She just made it seem, like, really accessible, really interesting, and I love the fact that it also doubled up as a fabric that you could kind of do cross-stitch on. Oh, I think that's so exciting. In fact, Debbie Bliss, mm. who's talking about Debbie Bliss, because I think that was our second episode, Oh yeah, was with Debbie Bliss, which was a hoot. But, in fact, I was talking to her this week, and she is going to do some Tunisian crochet and I was waxing lyrical about Tony's videos so yeah mm. if you don't know anything about uh, Tunisian crochet have a listen to episode six because it's massively inspirational I think yeah and it really was and I think I mean we've had quite a lot of guests on who've like really evolved their form if that makes sense so she was kind of like giving Tunisian crochet a shot in the arm and making it new and interesting and exciting for a lot of people in a way that probably hadn't been done before. Mm. And I think we've seen that with quite a few of our guests. It sounds a bit like self-congratulatory, but we've had some really bloody good guests on. Do you know what? We really have. And they're so exciting because I was saying to you the other day when we were talking about this, I mean, it's really hard to pick a standout one because Mm. I love them all for different reasons. But Gigi, when Gigi came on the show, Mm. I mean, I we just could we were speechless by the end of that because she is the most incredibly inspirational woman and I think just after we spoke to Gigi the Black Life Matters movement kicked off and it brought everything that she had said into very sharp focus for me yeah but she was the most extraordinary voice I think it really was it was definitely one of those episodes where it's like you know there's like sort of structural racism which society teaches you certain things in certain ways and you don't necessarily stop and think about it and talking to her was definitely one of those times where you're just like oh yeah you know suddenly you see a situation where you never thought you never think about like as was the case you know the world of knitwear or even the world of embroidery being predominantly white people you know and I can go and do talks at embroiderers guilds and generally it is just white people there's this like historic structural thing and talking to her was just that thing of like Oh, yeah. And I remember one of the things she said was she was like, you know, if you're of a minority, you need to go to these events. You needn't let the fact that these events seem to be Mm -hmm. predominantly one demographic put you off, because if you don't go to them, then nobody else is going to see anybody of any difference there. 
you know, and I'm sure it's the same with loads of different crafts that form in certain niches, you know, whether it's model railways or pyro, what's the name in when you're burning things in wood or whatever, you know, there's going to be blacksmithing, there's going to be certain craft formats that are very demographically specific, but that that shouldn't stop the diversity happening. And I mean, the fact that, I mean, the story where she said, I remember her saying that she'd walked into that great big yarn show and she was walking sort of, I think she was there to... She was there to judge something or do something big because remember she's she's huge on Instagram, you know, incredible mm. following, and she walked down through the show and people were looking at her and they weren't looking at her because she was Gigi, but they were looking at her because she was black. And I just, you know, it strikes horror into your heart that that mm. that exists. But I think she, the way that she talks about it and the way that she communicates a path forward. I thought I was very inspirational. And actually, what she talked about during the Black Lives Matter protests and things, is she talked mm. an awful lot about standing in the gap. Yeah, right. Yeah, And yeah. those words just never leave me. Every time you sort of see a potential situation, just into the general life, the sort of the necessity for us to stand in the gap. If you haven't listened to the episode, do because she's wonderful. But also catch her on Instagram. Um, Gigi made it because she's just amazing woman. Yeah, she's got like a real, there's a real gentle power mm. the way she does things. You know what I mean? There's no brashness. There's just like, this is how it is. And she's just quietly steadfast. And it sort of reminded me as well when we had Sierra on, Sierra Leroy. Oh. And, you know, we were talking about because she'd, lived in New York and then moved back to Kentucky yeah. and how she'd proactively gotten together people of colour to go, you know, we're a creative collective, you know, and, and all of those sorts of things and actively taking those steps and stuff. And it was just, it's very interesting to have those conversations within the context of craft, within the context of all this kind of weird upheaval that's been going on and stuff. Her artwork, her typography is so beautiful but also so with the, the the extraordinary concept of putting crisps into your chocolate chip cookies. I really, <laughs> she's a genius and that's something that <laughs> I think that could be. we'll never really get over the, the very lengthy conversation that you two had about crisps. Yeah, I, I mean, could. That was really quite amazing. I'm trying to hold back the tears of joy now when I stop and think about it, really, I I haven't actually had any crisps today either. And now I'm like, oh, I could really go for a packet of salt and vinegar. Oh, do you know who I loved as well when I'm looking back? Shearer from Lion Brand, Shearer Brimendale, mm -hmm. and the story of the anti-bullying campaign mm. that she heads up with Lion Brand when they do their Hats Not Hate. And I mean, I think in that first year they'd, they'd had about 10,000 hats donated that they took into schools and things. And when she told us about her story of how she was bullied and was very upset about it at the time, I mean, I love how people are using craft to communicate important messages. Mm. And I know we, we've had this conversation lots of times about whether it's pink hats or blue hats that you can use for, I was just, <laughs> I was nearly going to say something because I was thinking about Leah Emery, our fabulous craftivist who talked about hardcore pornography <laughs> in cross-stitch. And if you want to know about that, you have to listen to the episode because she's absolutely incredible woman. Mm. But isn't it wonderful that in this day and age that we can use craft as a medium through which to share an ideal or communicate? Yeah, and I think the thing is, is like every episode that we've done, like 
it's, it's so weird because you do a podcast about craft and in some ways you think we could just talk about like oh here's the thing we made but we've always ended up kind of deep diving into quite weighty topics one way or the other and it's been quite like, I remember like talking to Tom Daly and asking him about fear and how used yes. he was to fear and just being like we were talking about crochet or knitting now and now I want to talk about what it's like to be frightened five times a day at the Olympics <laughs> but, just... I mean that was an incredible podcast so that was an incredible chat a that we were talking to amazing diver Tom Daly and all round nice guy all round super nice guy who managed to learn every single knitting technique in Record time, mm. I think, and he was doing Intarsia jumpers and socks after only been knitting for three months. Yeah, it was just was preposterous. It, it? Yeah. But do you remember he said that's because he was an athlete, and so they're kind of trained to master something very quickly, and that's why he'd taken on board his brilliant skills. Well, he'd learned mm. really quickly. But it's just that curious thing of like how we we start talking about craft, and that that it just reinforces that point of how craft is like a means to an end and obviously it is that's such a dumb thing to say but it's like you know craft is a process that we all go through and sometimes you think it's a process of making but actually it's a process of expression and it's a process of healing and it's a process of identifying it is. and all those sorts of things and it's just i mean it is incredible self-expression and people always have these beautiful messages even like sierra obviously has some incredible messages through the sort of typography of mm. of what she does. But I loved Poppy Chancellor's paper cutting, mm -hmm. where she had the most beautiful paper cuts. Uh, sometimes they have words in them, sometimes they're just visual, but incredible skills. It was quite nice to get Poppy on, A, because she's a riot, and B, because... It was a non-textile thing. And I think that was just something quite important for us as well, right? So that people don't just think we're a knitting and sti stitching show or whatever, but we embrace all the crafts. All the crafts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, next season, we're going to have some serious metalworking going on <laughs> and live glass blowing, which is going to be a treat <laughs> over Zoom. As someone said they're bringing us both a kiln. Is that right? <laughs> I'll tell you what we are having next season. Some baking. Are we? Yeah, we are. Are we putting crisps in it? No crisps. <laughs> I tell you what, here's a question. Go on. Jamie, mm. would you rather, because yes. I know you're a bit partial to ice cream, so would you rather eat random flavours of ice cream forever or never be allowed to eat ice cream again? So you either have to have completely random and you can't pick it or you're never allowed ice cream. So you're handing over the flavour choice yeah. to someone else. It's, it's like a healthy, long life of misery or a short, joyful life of sugary fatness. Well, no, what if some, somebody might... I mean, my son, who's always radical and different, just is. He's just one of those kids that always likes things that no other kids like. And when he went on a band tour to Italy and they were in, you know, like home of gelato, what flavour did he have every time? Licorice. Now, who ah. in their right mind chooses licorice gelato? Would you? So, I would do that. Uh, my favourite my favorite herbal tea is licorice. I like the tea, but I don't think I'd want it in a gelato. I'm going random. I have to go random. You can't have a life without ice cream. A life without ice cream is a life filled with despair. It is. And don't go and try and go, well, you could have sorbet, because quite <laughs> frankly, that's a very poor second. It is I a don't poor think second. That's acceptable at all. Except for the vegans, uh, you know, or for the people who can't do dairy. And then it isn't. I've got a would you rather for you in that case then. Oh, go on, to, go on. To, to volley back to you. Would you rather have hands that keep growing as you get older 
or feet that keep growing as you get older? Oh, hands, definitely. <laughs> because I've got an absolute phobia about big feet and I always feel, thank God I'm a short, fat woman with small feet because otherwise sandals are a bit of an issue. Mm. And actually, I mean, I'm not saying that ladies with larger feet don't look beautiful in sandals. They do. But if you're short, obviously, you'd look like a hobbit if you had big feet. So I can't. As a short woman, I have to have small feet. How uh, how big are your feet? They're sort of four and a half. Okay. My beloved wife, long may she live, <laughs> uh, size two feet. <gasps> oh, my God. Size must, two. Size two. She must have a bonanza in the sails. I've got another one. Would you rather that your only mode of transportation was a donkey or a giraffe? Oh, a donkey. Yeah. Although, although, the thing is that donkeys, the, the poor darlings, are terribly badly used by humans. To, you know, when you go to these sort of like holiday destinations and there's very, very tall mountains and things and they go, oh, hop on the donkeys, the donkeys will take you to the top. Those poor donkeys having to carry far too much weight. It's a fundamental question of practical versus cool you know a giraffe would be cool imagine just rocking up at your lovecraft hq and parking your giraffe outside (laughs) sliding you'd just be able to climb up the giraffe into the second floor office if you like lovecrafts you're gonna love our show so just subscribe now get over and done with It's the Lovecraft Show. It's the Lovecraft Show. Oh my God, we love to craft. It's the Lovecraft Show. There you go. There it is. Yeah, Yeah. there it is. We haven't even started on the proper singing yet, have we? Did you know in 2002, don't fact check this information, at a site in Russia, an excavation site uh, called the Kostensky site, they excavated some needles and they carbon dated them to being over 30,000 years old. No way! Like ivory needles, yeah. Oh, do you know what? This brings me back to something I think we spoke about in show one. Whoa. Uh, We did, and this is, I mean, really going back a long time now. Well, we talked about... The maker archetype. Do you remember that? So it was this thing of, I was saying, because it's one of my favourite subjects, where in the beginning of the human race, when we were all in little sort of groups migrating around the world as it was then, Mm -hmm. there must have been people in those initial groups who were good at craft. Mm -hmm. So there must have been like, oh, you know, say someone who was really good at cooking and then someone who was really good at sort of some kind of cobbling together an animal skin to cover up your bits and bobs or mm. keep you warm. And there must have been people who made caves look nice and comfy. Mm. People that were really good at making fire and stuff. Yes, and they must have sort of dropped off along the way. There must have been someone good at healing mm-hmm. and somebody who was just good at making. And I think that's what thrills me as well about all of us in this industry is that we have this genetic disposition to be able to make things and to want to make things. That's true. Do you feel compelled in other ways to make things? Like, I mean, I I always want to make things out of all sorts of things. And Mm. if there's a problem, my solution will often be, well, I could make it from this, 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 and this, and this. You know, I wouldn't be looking for someone else to make it. I'd want to, like, make something. If you cut your body in half like a stick of rock, would you have maker inside there, written <laughs> round? I want to say yes. I'm Jamie a bit worried. Jamie Chalmers, crafter maker. 
<laughs> Calm down. I can <laughs> see in your face that there yeah. could be a dodgy answer. So yeah, no, it wasn't going to be a dodgy. I was just thinking. It says, you know, if this is faulty, please return to. That's probably what it says inside my mind. <laughs> I think we do intrinsically have a desire to make if we're given the opportunity. I feel like life and society, being the modern way it is, doesn't necessarily allow people the freedom to create for the sake of creating. Maybe not and, anymore. It's a luxury, do you think, creating? Yeah, or something, or it's considered a bit waffy, you know, like the the shift towards, and there's nothing wrong with like STEM stuff, you know, science and technology, they're all methods of making, but it almost feels like, you know, making art for art's sake or making craft for craft's sake is uh, looked upon as though it's a bit of a... But actually now with the way the world has turned, you feel like actually maybe there's been a bit of a resurgence and people have gone, oh, well, we can't just go and, you know watch the footy or do all these traditional wastes of time that we used to do so you know there has been a resurgence in making perhaps that's part of the proof of the value of it all in the first place also i think one of the things that's cropped up so often through all of these podcasts is that people have built those making moments into their journeys so you often like when we talk to people they quite often will relay you know one of the things we always sort of ask at the beginning is how did it happen what happened to you you know where did you learn with it and they go through that kind of transition don't they from maybe they've always had it so they're sort of learning and then they have a bit of a break and then they go back and they learn it and it teaches them something new or it's part of a journey this making yeah and there's always that moment of like when it lights up for them or a resonance you know I can I can distinctly remember times myself back in the day doing some cross stitch and just being like I bloody love this like I bloody love this and just feeling it in the fiber of your being and there's so many people who clearly gone down that route whether it's been something that their parents have taught them because we've had a few people like Christine Leach her parents are incredibly creative and kind of embedded that within her you know, Poppy's parents were quite creative or people like Vincent, who he never got, you know, he was self-taught in doing crochet and stuff like that. So it's like at a certain point, this thing resonates with them and suddenly they can't not do it anymore. And I think like with Vincent, he was so tenacious. The fact that he tried to crochet, tried to learn, tried to learn, and it sort of eluded him. And then he got it through sheer determination that he kept learning, kept trying. And now it's become the source of his sort of one of his successes mm. you also find as well with the with the people that we've spoken to like the journey that they've gone on there's been this point or some kind of tipping point where they have because all the people we've spoken to are making some kind of living from doing this and just that transitioning away from normal jobs you know i had the same thing myself i like mr x stitch the website started in 2008 and it was only in 2017 that i switched to doing it full time yeah. but there was you know there was always that desire or that kind of yearning and you you apply your focus to the thing and if you persist in it for long enough then something comes along and changes that and enables you to to switch and make it full time or something like that. Yeah, and I loved Katie Jones when she talked about, you know, the fact that she'd gone down a very sort of serious academic route for quite a long time until she realised that she could incorporate the love of all the things she did into colour and to the crochet and amazing. Mm. Yeah, and you get the feeling that for a lot of those people, like the universe has responded to them. Yeah, that sounds very hippie, but it's kind of like you can just tell from the way they talk about these things that they had an idea and it just went gangbusters. You know, whatever that idea was, there's been that thing that just suddenly went a bit viral for them or showed them that that was clearly the way to do it. Even for quite a few of the people who said that, like, 
they'd done craft when they were younger and then had wandered away from it for a while and then come back to it. I mean, we had several examples of people who the therapeutic benefits of doing the craft had been the thing that they'd really like latched onto in the first place. Gigi, straight off the top of the, you know, she quite actively said, you know, it was a form of therapy for her and several of the other people did as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, whether there's a sort of a knock-on effect of like, you find this thing that you really enjoy doing and actually the process of making heals you, even if you don't realise it, you know, if, even if you're not particularly broken, you know, it fulfills you, it it reconfigures you to a point of more happiness, which then the universe comes along and like helps emphasise that you're like doing the right thing. It's almost like some kind of crazy magic or something. It is crazy magic. I, uh, yeah, I love it. And, and what I love about this experience that we've had over the last, I can't believe it, 19 episodes, mm. is it's been such an incredible learning journey for me to have spoken to all these people to get to know you to tease you horribly about the gunmetal color of your soul it's and not um, teasing it's a plain fact <laughs> there's a poncho for you for christmas bing poncho <laughs> i've been absolutely awestruck and i know that series 2 is going to be so chock a block full of more of the same plus mm. so if there's anything we're, you know, we're talking about season two and we're planning madly for season two and it's so exciting. Mm. But if you've got any ideas that you'd like us to talk about. Dear or, listeners. Or dear listeners, yeah, anything that you'd like us to talk about. If you want to be on the show and tell us an anecdote about what crafting has done to your life, drop us an email, show at lovecrafts.com or hit us up on the old speakpipe, speakpipe.com forward slash the lovecrafts show or just any of the social channels, really. But everybody who listens to this loves crafts because it's the Lovecraft show. And so, you know, if there are stories that people want to share with us about their crafting journeys, if they, you know, if they've got recommendations of people who should be on here or heroes oh, that yeah. we should know about. And We'd stuff. love to know. Speaking of questions, <laughs> would you rather <laughs> would yeah. you rather always be 10 minutes late or always be 20 minutes early? Well... If I'm brutally honest, I'm always 10 minutes late anyway. I mean, I just, I, as much as I try, I'm very rarely not late. Could you set your watch a little bit earlier to try and check Oh, yourself? I've tried all those things. I don't know why. It's just, I, I've never, I always aim to be early and it always goes wrong. I don't know why. If I could pinpoint that. Uh, so I would prefer to be 20 minutes early. My brother... He was always early because he had an absolute horror of being late. So he was an he was always early wherever he went. I wish I'd inherited that. I think I'm often a bit late, and sometimes I know when I'm. You know when you say, "Right, I'm leaving now," and then you dither for a while. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's me. You see. Just watching twins <laughs> doing reaction videos on YouTube for another five minutes before I go, or something like that. That's me. I, I am a terrible procrastinator, and that's why. Would you rather be a reverse centaur, <laughs> body of a human, head of a horse, or a reverse mermaid, body of a human, head of a fish? Oh, Lord, that's not much, is it? I think I know what the answer would be with you, wouldn't you? It's the first one. It's yeah. the reverse centaur. Any Anything horsey. Mm. Do you think you get bored of going into pubs where the barman asks you why the long face? Because <laughs> that would happen a lot. I remember... In one of the early Lovecraft shows, you did a very long and elaborate story about how not to cry when you're cutting up onions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, it was one of my favourite devices of yours. But I always do, if I chop an onion, I always then wash my hands with a spoon. <laughs> and that takes the smell of the onions away. <laughs> Does it? Not with yeah, any yeah. water? Just with no, a spoon. Yeah, no, no, cold water and a spoon. Okay. And that does the job. I recently learned a brilliant kitchen hack, which is if you want to chop uh, clove of garlic rather than mm. squashing them with a garlic crusher, which is all right, but a bit messy. If you've got one of those like micro plain graters, you know, the ones that they use for Parmesan, you don't yeah. even have to take the clove of garlic out of the skin. You, but you can just grate it on the thing and it does a much better job than chopping it finely or whatever. Do you know who does that? Nigella. Does she? Oh, man, she I'd like to see a video of that. <laughs> Nigella, grating a clove of garlic. <laughs> Do you know my favourite sea creature? We're miles away from craft now, no, but go I've got to say, I love an octopus. An octopus. An octopus. I love octopi. Right. Because... They're so clever. I'm always thrilled when you read one of those stories that says... Octopus An octopus has from escaped. <laughs> You're just like, go octopus! There was this a, a sort of an extraordinary thing last year in the crochet world where people started crocheting octopuses with spiral tentacles mm-hmm. for premature babies. Mm-hmm. And so you sort of make one of these in some nice cotton... And then they pop it into the incubator. And, of course, the babies can hold on to those curly uh, tentacles okay. like it's an umbilical cord. Hmm. And so I just, I think they're wonderful. So that's really lovely. And we do have some octopi patterns on the Lovecraft's website, I'm sure. That's true. Do you think they tried it with real octopus and were like, no, that was a very big mistake. Too <laughs> octopus slimy. escapes from a lab with baby. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, <laughs> that was an error. <laughs> Marion, I heard rumours that there might be a Christmas show. Oh, do you know what? There is going to be a Christmas show. We got very excited because we've got all sorts of lovely messages from our crafting friends along the way who are going to pop in, just pop in to the Christmas show to say hello. Mm. But I thought we could ask our listeners if there's anything particular that they'd like to talk about for the Christmas show. So if there's a person they'd like us to talk to for Christmas, if they'd like to share their Christmas traditions... Yeah, that's true. You know, do you love Christmas? Do you hate Christmas? What are you going to make for Christmas? Or what about, you know, the trauma of will you have to cross-stitch all your cards for Christmas? Mm-hmm. I do still remember. I remember the the first trailer that we ever did for the Lovecraft show where you accused me of being a Christmas Grinch. I did. Because my tail does not wag with excitement, whereas you love Christmas. Oh, I'm so excited even now because I've got a cross-stitch kit which I showed you earlier on and you sniggered of two bunnies. The very first uh, the very first podcast we did and we talked about the fact that as a gentleman, you didn't find very many subjects sort of exciting to cross-stitch. Mm. But I remember distinctly that we had a conversation about the fact that there was nearly always a wolf. Always cross-stitch. a wolf. Yeah. <laughs> always a wolf. A wolf so or a dragon. We'd, we'd like to know... What would you like to cross-stitch? What would you like to embroider? It's just so interesting to hear what people love in the craft world and really what their buzz is. What What's your jam, people? <laughs> and we can tell what, us. What jam is your jam? Quite literally as well. Quince? What would be your favourite jam? What is my favourite? I don't know. I've always, to be honest, you can't go wrong with a good raspberry. Like raspberry jam yeah. with peanut butter is up there. In my favourite combos. Yeah, it's a good one. peanut butter and jam combo. Yeah. Here's a question for you. Mm. So, would you rather never wear any other colour than gunmetal grey? 
mm-hmm. or have every other colour that you ever wear chosen no, by somebody that, else. You didn't really need to do an or. I'll just go, yeah, gunmetal grey. Gunmetal grey forever. You, would you be happy never to wear any other colour? I don't think, if I'm being honest, I do quite like wearing bright socks. So there is something there deep underneath all this steely exterior there lies a joyful little puppy boy. I think it's it's almost like a sort of gentleman's secret that you could have like some quite, you know, conservative outerwear, but jazzy socks. Mm. I feel like colourful socks is a way of expressing your playfulness that is more socially acceptable than colourful pants. I've heard that when you get to a million subscribers on your podcast, you get a letter from the Queen. So let's do that, everybody. Let's find out. Subscribe now. Yeah, we're nearly at the end of season one of The Lovecraft Show, and it's been quite an adventure for the both of us. And it's been a thoroughly pleasant experience. Not only has it been pleasant because we've spoken to crafting heroes from what like three four different countries but it's been an absolute pleasure to hang out with you on a regular basis and to just and i just wish that the listeners at home could hear the behind the scenes of what goes on because we're so charming on here and so uncouth (laughs) to one another behind the scenes i think people who've listened know that that's the kind of affectionate relationship we have we do because the thing was, when we first met, and I, I'm always a bit wary, I was like, oh, no, he's a bit Larry. He's going to scare me. Ooh. And then I realised, are you just a pussycat? Yeah. And instantly we were Mr. Yeah. and Mrs. Podcast from the very first podcast, weren't we? Yeah. In a way, you know, like we were saying before about how sometimes people end up in a situation and the resonance is right and they realise that's what it should have been all along. And here we are. Here we are. The husband and wife. The weird craft grandparents of everybody. We are. I'm so proud to be your podcast wife, Jamie. Yeah, thanks. I'm proud to have you as my podcast wife. Marvie. You have You have uh, an intelligence and sensibility that is a light relief to everybody that listens to this show and has to put up with whatever drivel comes out of my mouth. Ah, au contraire. Because <laughs> actually, when you talk about this, you're such an insightful and intelligent clever man and all your bluster and all your jokes just belie your fine mind anyway so yes we have thoroughly enjoyed this 19 19 episodes yeah and then we're finishing off with marley bird for the end of the first season i'm gonna have to get tent pegs because i'm gonna have to tent peg myself down in my dining room because i'm so excited i might just float off into the ether with excitement to be talking to marley bird she's a legend i think we're gonna have to strap you down yeah that is for sure because you'll be vibrating it's gonna be good fun i don't know where we go from here to be honest, like the end of the second season, I don't know, Barack Obama. I don't really know where we go after Marley Bird, really, to tell you the truth. Can you go any higher than Marley Bird? I don't know. Well, I hope people stick with us because we discovered, didn't we, that we've had over 12,000 downloads of the show in the short time that we've been around, which <gasps> 12, is amazing. So, so what I'm going to do now is say thank you 12,000 times. <laughs> so that's the next hour. You can skip forward to one hour 57, at which point I stopped. <laughs> Actually, Jamie, would you just share with our lovely listeners your device for listening back? Because you speed us up, don't you? When you listen back to the Love Car Show. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, this is true. So 
you know, we always talk about how the Lovecraft show is a great thing to listen to when you're crafting. And I think that's very true. And, you know, if you really want to relax, what I would say is if you've got an app on your phone that you listen to, you can adjust the speed. So if you really want to relax, I would say knock the speed back to about 75% or something like that so that we're talking really slowly (laughs) and you'll find it to be very relaxing indeed as you do a spot of whittling or perhaps some oil painting. Yes. Well, I think it's perfect. I could listen to you on the podcast show at any speed. Yes. And I listen to you at normal speed because your voice is nice, whereas mine drives me up the flipping wall. Thank you to everybody who has been part of the Lovecraft show, all our guests, all our listeners, to Theo, the terribly handsome electronic organism that produces the show. He's electric. He is electric. He's a great producer. And obviously Holly, Holly Buttress, who is, well, she's just the best. She knows what's right. She knows what's wrong. She keeps us on track. She does. And we have got a little extra. Well, there's a few very exciting extras coming with season two. You're going to get to know Holly a little bit better then. You are. We've said too much. But, you know. Yes. Stay tuned, people. So, uh, in conclusion, this has been episode 19, the rambly episode of The Lovecraft Show. My name's Mr. X-Ditch. And I'm Marino. And every night I grab some money and I go down to the bar. I've got my buddies and a beer. I've got a dream. I need a car. Rock and roll and brew. Rock and roll and brew. I know that you and I, oh, we've got better things to do. I don't know who you are or what you do or where you go when you're not around. I don't know anything about you, baby, but you're everything I'm dreaming of. I don't know who you are, but you're a real dead ringer for Lovecrafts. Thank you very much, everybody. Oh, you big mush head. (laughs) 